This is a re-recording of the message that was given at Revolution on August the 17th, 2011. So this is the first Revolution of the year, and I am pumped and excited about it because I have been missing all of you this past summer, and I hope you guys are excited to be back. We're going to start a four-week series tonight that is going to be all about how to start a revolution. Why are we called revolution? What is this whole revolution about? That's kind of what we're going to tackle for these next four weeks. And hopefully this is just going to be some, some really good stuff that's going to kind of kickstart the year and get us going in the right direction and kind of play into everything that we're going to do this year. So I'm really excited about it. And uh, the very beginning of, of this, I want us to start off with kind of ask, answering the question, what is this revolution? Okay, I mean it's not the same as the revolution that we read about in the history books. We're not starting the American Revolution. This isn't a war. We're not busting out the guns and popping some caps. This is different than that, but it still is a change of thinking. It still is a different way of talking and of acting, and it affects us. So what is this revolution exactly? Well, this revolution is actually found in the Bible. If we look in two separate spots, we're going to find uh, the big mission that we as Christians are called to. And if you look in Mark chapter 12, verse 30, you're going to find the first part of this revolution that we are going to be trying to start here in middle school. And this is what it says. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. And this is Jesus talking, and he's actually answering a question. A Pharisee, a religious person back in the day, actually asked him what the most important commandment was out of all the commandments in the Bible. And this is what Jesus said, to love God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength. So this is the first part of the revolution. The second part, we look in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. And this is also Jesus talking, and this is kind of his last charge to his disciples before he leaves to go back to heaven uh, to hang out with God, his heavenly Father. And this is what he says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So Jesus calls us to go out and make disciples. Kind of like the 12 disciples that Jesus made, that's what we're supposed to do while we're here on this earth. Go and teach people how to live like Jesus lived, to follow Jesus in their life. So this revolution is found in those verses right there. Love God with everything that we are and go and make disciples, teaching them to live and follow the way of Jesus which, again, would include loving God with all that they are. So that's the revolution. So we've defined that. Now, let's get into kind of our first step in starting this revolution. That's what tonight's going to be all about, is what is this first step? The first thing we need to start a revolution is motivation. What is our motivation? What is the reason behind this whole revolution, this whole loving God, this whole making disciples? What's the motivation behind it? Well, our motivation is a very simple word, starts with an L, ends with an of, love. Love is our motivation. That's the whole reason behind all of this. If we look in 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, we see part of this motivation right here, and this is what it says. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. 
not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So we see love in action right there through God. God loving us. If we skip down a few verses in the same chapter, same book, uh, verse 19, it actually says this. We love because he first loved us. The he there is God. God first loved us by sending Jesus. He loved us so much that he gave up his son. Uh, my wife is actually pregnant right now with our first uh, our first child, and it's going to be a baby boy. And he's not even here yet, and I can't even imagine giving him up for someone. Uh, so I, I can't even imagine what it was like for God to give up his perfect son for us. But that's what he did, and he did it because he loved us. He loved you. He loved me, and he loved us so much he gave us Jesus. So it's amazing. It's uh, the, one of the greatest truths that we can ever hear is about God's love. So uh, our motivation is love, but specifically it's God's love. It's the fact that God loves us, every one of us, the, the person down the road, uh, the person that we don't like that much. He loves them just as much as he loves us. And so it's God's love that kind of motivates us into this. Now, when we experience God's love for us, it should motivate us to love others uh, as well as love God. So when we're really experiencing who God is, we're really experiencing uh, Jesus for all that he is and for who he is and, and that he is our saving grace, then we truly uh, should be loving him. We, I mean, that should just draw us to love him. The same way as if uh, when, when you love another person, by you loving them, naturally it's a lot easier for them to love you back. So it's kind of the same thing with God. God loves us like crazy, us knowing that and experiencing that, so draw us in to love him. And on top of that, it should help us to love other people uh, since we realize that he loves them just as much as he loves us. So... Here's a question I have after I hear something like that, and maybe you're asking it too. So what does loving God look like? So if God loves us, he loved us first, and therefore we ought to love God back. It should draw us into love God. And Jesus actually says the greatest commandment is to love God. What does that look like? Well, let's look at another verse together. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I love this verse, man. We're, we're going to talk about this a lot in middle school at Revolution. And if you've been at Revolution before, you might have even heard me talk about it. And this is what this verse says. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, that would be referring to guys and girls who are following jesus they're christians so christians in view of god's mercy in view of the fact that god loves us in view of the fact that he sent jesus uh, we need to offer our bodies not just part of our bodies not just our arm not just our leg not just our mouth but our whole body as a living sacrifice we need to sacrifice ourselves our desires our things that uh, we feel entitled to all those things we need to sacrifice them because of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy, and, and offer them up to him. And this last part here, holy and pleasing to God is what our bodies should be to him. They should be holy and pleasing. So that doesn't mean we're offering our, ourselves over to God as these you know people who are following every kind of sin and temptation that comes our way. We're, we're offering ourselves to God as a holy people who are pursuing him and who are 
putting aside uh, and putting to death our sin and pursuing him with our whole heart. So Romans chapter 1. And so what I would say is, and I get this from that verse, is to love is to sacrifice. And we even see that with God, the way he gave us Jesus. We see that he loves us like crazy because he sacrificed his son for us. And then likewise, if we're going to truly love God, then we are also going to sacrifice for him. And that is worship. That is what worship is. When we sing in a service and we raise our hands and we lift our voices, whether we sing good or not, we're sacrificing worrying about if we sound good or if we look dumb or if this is kind of weird to the person next to us. We're sacrificing worrying about all that. That doesn't matter because we're offering ourselves up to God and we're worrying about God more than anything else because we love him more than anything else. So sacrifice is part of this loving God. Now, when I was thinking about this, it made me think of a story that happened last week. And it's kind of a traumatizing story. So if I start to cry, then you'll, you'll understand why. Uh, but we were driving home, me and my wife, from my family's house after having dinner. And we were in our neighborhood, almost to the house. And we saw these two little beady eyes next to the road. And you know how when your headlights shine and, and they sometimes will catch like a deer or a squirrel or a raccoon or something. I was thinking maybe this was like a squirrel or raccoon or something because it was kind of a smaller set of eyes. And as we drove by more, my wife started to realize what it was. And so she's like, Brad, 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 it's a, it's a little kitten. It's a kitten. We need to save the kitten, Brad. We need to save him. She doesn't really talk like that. She talks much better than that. But I'm trying to differentiate so you know who I am. So... She tells me it's a kitten. She wants to rescue it. She says, we need to rescue it, Brad, which really means, if you translate that, that I need to rescue it. Uh, so what we do is I turn around. I pull up on the side of the road next to where this cat is. I get out of the car with every intention to rescue this small, little, cute, tiny kitten. And so I get out. I start to approach. As I get closer, the cat, like, runs off into the woods. I'm like, great. Okay, it's late at night there's mosquitoes out i can't see anything uh but i was set on my mission i knew april wanted to to rescue this cat and it was cute and i didn't want it to get hurt so I, I was i kept trying to save this cat so i turned the car to where my headlights are shining into the woods where i can see a little bit and i start calling the cat and i can't really see it but i hear it meowing you know i hear the little meow meow so i know it's out there and it's, it sounds so, like, innocent and cute, and I'm like, I can't just leave it out here. Who knows what will happen? It, it might starve. It might get hit by a car. Who knows? So I asked my wife to come out, and she brought some muffins with her because we had some muffins from the, uh, the house that we were bringing back home as leftovers. And so she made, like, a little muffin trail because we figured the cat was probably hungry. But we needed the cat to get close to me so I could actually get a hold of the cat and rescue it. And so my wife laid down the, the crumbs, and uh, the cat started to smell them and started to inch a little bit closer and closer and closer. So I started to kind of get in a ready position, you know, ready to pounce and to, to, to get the cat so it wouldn't know that I was coming. And I tried to get all sneaky with it and, and kind of hunker down and get really low to the ground and get close uh, with my hand and kind of just put my hand out into the woods where I'm not making any sudden movement so I don't scare the cat or anything. And so as the cat gets closer and it keeps eating these crumbs, it's kind of 
uh, kind of lost in its hunger and, and not really worried about what's going on around it, I kind of sneak my hand around back behind it. And then as it's eating this next crumb, I reach my hand down really fast and I grab it. And as soon as I pull this cat up, it goes ballistic. I mean, it's just like hissing and spitting at me and like clawing and biting my hands. I mean, it, it was like a horror movie. It was like one of those little creatures that comes out of a cave and just like kills people i mean that's what this thing was it was just going after me i'm bleeding i'm screaming i sound like a little girl i'm just like oh my gosh get it off me and i'm just going nuts and there's people on the side of the road stopping asking me questions like hey dude you all right man i mean uh, you look like you're you're dying over there is that thing gonna is it gonna kill you and i'm like no man i'm fine don't worry about it as i'm freaking out like flinging the cat off my arm um as it continues to attack me like a vicious wolverine and uh and so i'm holding it i'm bleeding like literally i'm bleeding on the side of my hand um and so i I finally get into a box and we get it home and as i'm washing up and cleaning up i'm I'm wondering if it was worth it but i wonder how many of us do that same kind of thing with sin with the things that god has asked us not to do with the things that hurt us how many of us keep picking those things up? And even though it's hurting us and it's attacking us and it's, it's just killing us, it seems so cute and it seems so nice and it seems like you know it's a good thing and it's what we should do. Really, it's, 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 it's hurting us. And it's hurting God's heart just to even see us do that stuff. And so how many of us this summer maybe on our summer break picked up some kittens that are just like killing us now? Because it's not what God wanted us to do. It's not what God called us to. It's not this revolution that we're talking about. It's not experiencing God's love. It's just giving in to whatever it is that we're wanting at the time. And sometimes those things that we want are okay things. And then other times those things are they're just hurtful things. They're harmful things. They're, they're things that don't do anybody any good. And so a lot of those things... We have to sacrifice, one, because it's not good for us, but even more than that, because we just love God. And we know God doesn't want us to lust. God doesn't want us to steal. He doesn't want us to lie. He doesn't want us to uh, give in to immorality or any of those things that he's, he's called us from. He wants us to experience grace and mercy and love. He wants us to be those things to this world. And so we have to sacrifice a lot of these things that we find ourselves doing for the sake of love, for the sake of God's love for us, and for us to be able to actually love Him back. Now, as I'm mentioning sins, and I'm talking about lust, and I'm talking about uh, lying and stealing and all those things. Some of you might have done some of that stuff. I know I've done some of that stuff. And it's easy for us to start to think, man, we're not deserving of God's love anymore. It's we've we've kind of fallen out of that category of people that God loves now. But when we read the Bible, we actually see that that's not true at all. God loves us first. So if we remember that, that God loved us first, even before we even knew who he was, even before we knew about Jesus, God still loved us. 
then it doesn't really matter that we've done all these things in the sense that God still loves us. Now, God doesn't want us to continue to pursue those things. God has asked us to to not pursue sin and to repent from that. But in spite of the fact that we sin, he still loves us. Listen to these verses. This is Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. It says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So there's nothing in this world that could separate us from God loving us. There's nothing that can separate us from Jesus. There is nothing. All we have to do is experience it. All we have to do is be willing to love him back and to allow him to love us. So as we end this first week talking about, okay, our motivation for this revolution is love. And this revolution is to love God with everything we are and to make disciples and to teach people how to know and follow Jesus. The two questions I want to end with is, have you really experienced God's love? Have you truly experienced it in a real way? And the Bible describes what that looks like. The only way you can truly experience God's love is to to know Jesus. It was the ultimate expression of God's love. It's the way that we can actually have a relationship with God is to know Jesus. And so have you experienced Jesus? Because he is God's love. And he is the only one who can save you or me or anyone from their sin. There's not enough church camps or prayers or pastors you could talk to that can take that sin away. It's Jesus and him alone. If you haven't, I would uh, encourage you to talk to a friend that's a Christian, maybe one of your parents. Uh, Come talk to me at Revolution. You can message me on Facebook. You can shoot me an email, bradc at westridge.com. Whatever you need to do to understand what it is to know Jesus, do that. The other question I want to end with is, are you really ready to love God? Not just come to church on Wednesday and not just come to church on Sunday or uh, say your prayers at at dinner time, but to truly love God from day to day, moment to moment, sacrificing some of the things that you might want, but you know that aren't good for you because you love God so much, because he sacrificed so much, because he loved you. Are you really ready to do that same thing for him? So to be the revolution this week and to prepare for next week as we talk about more how to start this revolution, go out and begin to truly experience God's love. Know that there's nothing you could do to separate you from that love. And then go out and love him with every breath, every word, every action. Do it to the one who loves you more than anyone else. That's it for tonight. Hopefully I will see you next week. Come to Revolution. We're here Wednesday nights from 7 to 9 o'clock at the Westridge Church East Paulding Campus. Uh, This is for all 6th through 8th graders. 
And I hope to see you then. Peace out.